I heard a story of a young man that was driving in the hill country below Austin when he saw a yard out in the country where a boy was playing and suddenly from across the fence came a very angry pit bull that began to charge the boy. Well, the driver knew there was no chance that little boy could fight such a ferocious dog. So he slammed on his brakes and happened to have a baseball bat in the back of his seat of his car. He grabbed it, ran as fast as he could where that dog had already gotten on top of that boy and began to beat that dog viciously. was able to get that dog off that boy and literally broke the dog's neck with the bat and saved the boy's life. Well, there happened to be a local reporter that saw the whole thing. And he ran up and said, you, sir, are a hero. And tomorrow my headline is going to say, Brave young Longhorn saves boy's life. And the young man said, well, that's great, but I didn't go to the University of Texas. I'm not a Longhorn. That's okay. It'll say, brave young Aggie saves boy's life. No, I didn't go to College Station either. Fact of the matter is I'm from Oklahoma. I'm visiting family. I'm an Oklahoma Sooner. (laughs) Next day, the headline said, young Okie Hoodlum kills family pet. You see, many of the good things that people do are either misunderstood or they're unappreciated or they're quickly forgotten. You see, we live in a fallen world and a fallen world often rewards the wrong things and fails to notice or honor the right things. We're always having awards ceremonies on television. And what are they honoring? The most ridiculous of things, things that will not matter for eternity, things that frankly won't matter in a couple of years. That's what we honor. Things that really do matter and make a difference hardly get any attention. That's how it is in a fallen world. But that will not be true in the next world. Because God, too, is a rewarder. Did you know that? That it's inherent in the nature of God to be a rewarder. Not only is that important to know, it is in fact essential to know if you're going to be a person of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and in verse 6, It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that there is a God and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. It's not enough that you believe in God. You must believe certain things about God. And the first elemental thing to believe about God is He is by nature a rewarder. In fact, I believe heaven is going to be inaugurated with a great rewards ceremony. And as we conclude our study of heaven... I want today to teach you about that ceremony that we can all anticipate that is going to inaugurate our time in heaven. Jesus told many parables that had as a basic plot line, a master is going to leave for a while. And he was referring to his own ascension. But the master is going to come back. And that's talking about his second coming. Now the point of the parables was when the master comes back, he's going to expect an accounting Did you do the things I told you to do before I left? Now, one of those parables is called the parable of the talents. The master gives 
three different servants, three different levels of responsibility. He gives one five talents of money, one two talents, and one one. It says, according to his ability. You see, when the master comes back, he's not going to expect of you things he didn't give you the ability to do. He's not going to expect you to have have used my gifts or me to have used your gifts. But the master is going to come back and there is going to be an accounting. Now, I want you to read with me, starting in Matthew 25, verse 19, what's going to happen. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. See, Scripture records a coming day of great rewards. Now, let me be more specific about that because there's a little bit of confusion about this. And I think it's along two lines. Here's the first thing you need to know. That heaven is not a reward. Sometimes at a funeral of a faithful saint, the preacher will say, He has gone to his reward. Well, theologically, that's not accurate because heaven is not a reward. A reward is something that is earned. Eternal life, the Bible says, is a gift. Heaven is often referred to as our inheritance. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 verse 4, For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for his children. It's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. See, an inheritance is not a wage. An inheritance is a gift that is freely bestowed on those who are the rightful heirs. And so the Bible says that we are going to receive an inheritance. We are going to receive salvation. We are going to receive eternal life. By virtue of the fact that we are the rightful heirs. We are the children. We are, by faith in Christ, the sons and the daughters of God. And so there's going to be equality in heaven in this sense. That all of us who are there are going to be there by sheer grace. None of us are going to earn heaven. None of us are going to say, well, if anybody does, I deserve to be here. See, heaven is not a reward. It is a gift given to those who've become children of God by faith in Jesus. But now here's where the confusion comes. Because although heaven is not a reward, heaven will be a place of rewards. Now, if you've trusted Christ, you don't need to fear future judgment On your sins. Because your sins have already been judged. They were placed on Christ when he died on the cross. And they were judged there. So if you're clothed with Christ. The question of your eternal destiny. 
has already been answered. But that does not mean that Christians do not face future judgment. We do. Not for our sins. Our sins were judged on the cross when we put faith in Christ. But we do face judgment or evaluation of our lives so God can determine the eternal rewards He will give to each. What we believe determines our eternal destination, but how we behave is going to determine our eternal compensation. And the scripture is full of this language. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we must all, now he's writing to Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Notice that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body. Ephesians 6 and in verse 8 says, Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we're slaves or free. Now again, we're not talking judgment for your sins. Your sins were judged at the cross. We're not talking about judging whether or not you are going to be in heaven. We're talking about an evaluation of the rewards you're going to get in heaven based on your faithfulness. You are accepted in heaven on the basis of your faith. But you are going to be adorned in heaven on the basis of the fruits of your faith. And Jesus talked about this all the time. Go back and find how many times in the Gospels he uses the word reward. He's constantly motivating his disciples to be faithful when they think about the fact that God wants to give them rewards. He says, for example, in Mark 9, 41. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I assure you, that person will be rewarded. In one of his stories, he says, you know, when people throw a party, they're always inviting the rich and famous and the powerful. Don't do that. When you throw a party, you invite somebody that doesn't have the means to throw a party so they can ask you back. And here's why. Luke 14, verse 14. Then, at the resurrection of the godly, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. You see, God must evaluate the individual faithfulness of His children. His own just nature demands it. God could not be fully God and just pretend that all believers were equally faithful to Him. They tell a story about a preacher and a cab driver from New York City. And they both died on the same day and went to heaven and Peter met them. He gave the preacher a nice little cottage, but he gave the cab driver a big mansion to live in. The preacher couldn't understand it. Peter explained, when you preached, people slept. But when he drove, people stayed awake and they prayed. (laughs) The fact is, we have different level of fruit in our lives and God is going to give attention to that. And the coming judgment is going to reveal that many believers misspent their energies 
on pursuits of no eternal significance. Many Christians, although they placed their faith in Christ and their sins were judged, gave the bulk of their energy and priority and resources to things that are going to burn up when Jesus comes back. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 3. He says Jesus is the foundation and what's going to be tested is, did you use precious gold and metals and jewels when you built your life or did you use hay or straw? He says, verse 13, there's going to become a time of testing at the judgment day to see what kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work will be put through the fire to see whether or not it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builders themselves will be saved, but like someone escaping through a wall of flames. Now Paul's going to go on to say, only God is qualified to judge the fruitfulness and the faith of another believer. Don't you get involved in that business. For one thing, you don't know the secret motives of everybody's hearts. What well, Jesus said, some people, they pray and they give and they fast, but they do it to be seen by men, and that's the only reward they're going to get for it, is the applause of men. So you don't be judging people. You don't know the motives of people's hearts when they do the things they do. Not only that, but you don't know the ultimate outcomes. Some people may seem to be very fruitful, but their fruit just dies in a moment. And other people, they pour and pour and pour their life into something that doesn't seem at first to bear any fruit. But ultimately, it bears fruits for generations. And beyond that, you don't know all the circumstances surrounding people's lives. Some people may not seem to bear a lot of fruit, but they dealt with stuff in their life that was so difficult and so hard. In God's eyes, they deserve more reward than someone who didn't have nearly so tough a circumstance. So you don't get involved in judging your brother. But do understand, we will be judged. And God will be sure to reward that which was never rewarded in this world. Now, what's he going to do? What kind of rewards are we going to get? Well, Jesus told us at least three. First, God awards with personal commendation. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now just think about that. I think most of us, when I ask you, what are we going to do the most in heaven? You think, well, we're going to praise God. And that's probably a good answer. But have you ever thought that when we get to heaven, some of your time is going to be spent listening to God praise you? Just think about that. And I'm not talking about some generic hallmark card phrase where God just says, well, thank you very much, and he signs his name at the bottom. I'm talking about a personal word of affirmation where the Lord God looks you in the face and says, I watched your life, I saw what you did, I remember that day when, and he starts to thank you. Loved ones, I'm wondering, what else could I say this morning to motivate you to give your life to things that are going to last when this world burns up than this thought? God wants to thank you. Paul says, when this time of testing is done and God has evaluated what everyone's been through in their life and what they've done with their life, you know what he says, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, at that time, each will receive his 
praise from God. Can you even wrap your mind around that? God wants to get one-on-one with you personally and thank you. I'll never forget this picture from the 1998 Winter Olympics. The guy in the red suit's named Bjorn Dolly. He's from Norway. Greatest cross-country skier of all time. He had just won his sixth gold medal in the 10,000-kilometer cross-country ski race. The young man there, he's greeting his name, Philip Boyd. Philip is from Kenya. They don't do a lot of cross-country skiing in Kenya. Philip had never seen snow in his life until two years earlier when he decided to try to get into the Olympics. He represented his country. Out of 92 racers, he finished a strong 92nd. 30 minutes after Bjorn won the race. But when Bjorn won, he didn't go off and receive the applause and accolade that was his due. He stayed at that line and he waited. He waited for 30 minutes So that he could greet Philip and say, good race. Loved ones, the Lord Jesus is waiting for you. We haven't run the race as well as he's run it. But he's waiting at the line. Because he wants to grab your hand. He wants to hug you. And he wants to say, good race. You finished strong. You could have quit, and you didn't. I'm so proud of you. And I have a feeling you're going to cherish every single word for the rest of eternity. That's what God wants to do for you. To award with personal commendation. And then with individual delegation. He says, you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. See, God intends to reward not so much with increased privilege, but with increased responsibility. It's God's great desire to reward you by giving you an eternal promotion. God wants to say, you know, I I saw your life. I saw how faithful you were when you did this and this and this. Not many people noticed, but I did. And now, have I got a job for you? And the Bible says it's going to be a day of great reversals. Where people that never got attention or applause are going to be exalted. In fact, you can go through your Gospels. One of the phrases that Jesus liked, every preacher has lines that we like to throw into sermons every now and then. Well, this is one of Jesus. He liked to throw it in all the time. It's in Matthew 23 and many other places. Jesus said, those who exalt themselves will be humble. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. Well, when's that going to happen? I know a lot of people who have humbled themselves. They lived humble and they died humble. And two months after we buried them, they were forgotten by the world. But Jesus said, they will be exalted. 
They got a promotion coming. You see, folks, there's going to be distinctions in heaven. There can be no other way. We're not all going to be these little spirit clones all looking and acting just alike in heaven. No, there's going to be distinction. Jesus said, you get to have five cities to be in charge of. You get to have two according to your ability. We're not going to have the same jobs or the same, uh, same responsibilities or the same level of exaltation. There's going to be distinction in heaven, but there's not going to be discrimination. That's what we can't wrap our mind around. Because in this world, we're so self-centered that any time there's a difference, we turn it into a division. That's not going to happen in heaven. Because in heaven, it's not going to be about me. In heaven, it's going to be about Jesus. And whatever job he gives me, big or small, I'm going to be thrilled to do it for him. Let me tell you something. God's going to reward some people. Some people who did the things that nobody ever paid attention to. Some years ago, an old couple from New York City was in Pittsburgh. They went to a little old hotel on a real rainy night to try to get a room. And a young man was behind the desk working the night shift. He said, folks, you're not going to find a room tonight. There's three conventions in town. You're not going to find a room. But I can't send you out on a rainy night like this, so I tell you what, you take my room. I said, we can't do that. He said, yes, I insist. You sleep in my room, I'll sleep on the floor. So the next day as they left, they paid their bill. And that old man said, young man, you're the kind of young man that ought to be running the best hotel in the world. About five years later, that young guy, his name was George C. Bolt. He got a telegram and a train ticket to New York City. And the old man said, come see me. He picked him up there at the train. I should have mentioned, the old man's name was William Waldorf Astor. He took him to 5th Avenue and 34th Street in front of that building right there and said, this is the finest hotel in the world. It's called the Waldorf Astoria. And I built it. So that you could run it. Now that's what's going to happen in heaven folks. God's going to say. Thank you. You served me well. Now. Let me show you. What you're going to do for me now. And here's the thing. If you know God is going to promote you. You don't have to spend any more time promoting yourself. You don't have to worry about who claps for you or who praises you or who applauds you or who notices you. You can give up all that idolatry. You don't have to worry about it because you know God's going to promote you. He's going to reward you with commendation and with delegation. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. But then he says one more thing, doesn't he? Come and enter your master's happiness. You know the third thing God wants to reward you with? Eternal celebration. The King James says, enter into the joy of your Lord. You know what part of the reward is going to be? It's going to be an invitation to party with God. And isn't that the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You see, most of our lives are spent 
in what we call the pursuit of happiness. Most people don't wake up happy. So they think to themselves, well, what could I do to get happy? A lot of times they make bad choices. I'll go do this, or maybe I'll go try that, or maybe if this will just happen today, then I'll be happy. It's not going to be like that in heaven. In heaven, happiness is the starting point. Happiness is the starting point, so it doesn't matter what you do. You're happy before you begin it. God wants to give you joy as an eternal possession. And, and that's why Paul could say in Romans eight eighteen, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will give us later. Many of you have heard the story they tell about Henry Morrison. Back in the first part of the last century, he was a missionary in Africa. He served there for 40 years. 40 years. When he got too old to stay, he got on a boat to come home. It happened to be the same ship that Theodore Roosevelt was on. The then president of the country had gone to Africa on a big game safari. When he ship pulled into New York Harbor, as you would imagine, there were bands and a big crowd and city officials all there to receive the president who was back from his hunting trip. Henry Morrison has spent 40 years years preaching the gospel no one showed up not even anyone from the mission board that sent him and he walked off that boat feeling pretty sorry for himself until he says as he was praying the Lord spoke to his heart and said yeah but Henry you're not home yet When the Hebrew writer knew that the Jewish people he was writing to were going through tough times, getting beat up because they believed in Jesus, he knew what to say. At the end of chapter 10, when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew you had better things waiting for you in eternity. Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. No matter what happens, remember the great reward it brings you. A lot of what we do is destined to become ashes. But the Bible says heaven's rewards means anything that we've done for Jesus is going to last. We're going to be rewarded for everything we did that has eternal value. That means all you moms out there who get up every Sunday and your husband doesn't come to church with you. And you fight to get those kids up here in church and to settle down and, and you wonder if it's worth it. Yes. Because someday he's going to look you in the eye and he's going to say... Thank you. Thank you. 
And you teach in that nursery or that third grade Bible class. And some days those kids are just so wild. And you wonder if any of it's sinking in. And someday he's going to say, thank you. And you fill out those world Bible school lessons. And nobody ever, never tells you you're doing a good job. He will. And we have a special contribution for missions and the budget's tight. And you find a way to dig down and find something to give. He noticed. And you wrote that card. And you stayed an hour after work just to talk to a friend who's going through a divorce. And over and over again. When nobody else noticed, God did. The race is long. And anybody who's ever run a marathon knows there's at some point in the race where you ask yourself, is this worth it? And I'm telling you, the finish line is going to be worth it. And Jesus is going to be waiting there. He's going to say, good job. we got some important things to do. But first, let's go to a party. And so, I leave you with the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. My dear brothers and sisters. Be strong and steady. Always enthusiastic about the Lord's work. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Let's bow our heads. Well, Father, when you live in a world like we live in, a world that is so fallen, whose values are so twisted, it's hard Not to get addicted to applause. And because the world tends to applaud all the wrong things. It's hard not to get our values all messed up. And next thing you know we're devoting big sums of our life and our energy and our resources to stuff that's going to be ashes someday. We pray God for for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. For clarity of mind and purpose. That we can devote ourselves to nobler and purer and more eternal pursuits. That deep down in our heart we can reach the point where we can say. If no one else cares but God does. That's enough. We do believe that you exist. We do believe that it is your nature to be a rewarder. And we do believe that there is in store for us a finish that makes the race worth it. So help us to run like we believe. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Elders and ministers are going to be in room 109 to pray.
with people. It's one of those unnoticed ministries that God cares about. So go to that room and let them minister to you this morning. Or come to the front to be baptized. Because let me be very clear again. Your sins will be judged. You can choose where. If you're clothed in Christ and you've been adorned with Him, your sins can be judged at the cross. Otherwise, they'll be judged at the judgment seat. Choose now. Choose Jesus. Come be baptized. Let's stand up and sing.